Hello, I am Milena Kalinowska, Museum Programs Manager. Today we will be talking with Marco Maggi about two works that are currently in the galleries of the Hirschhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden. Marco Maggi was born in Montevideo, Uruguay, and since has an, an extraordinary career showing around the world his works that are both installation and individual pieces. Among his most important exhibitions are Sao Paulo Biennale, Biennale in Havana, Cuba, and the Biennale in Guangzhou, Korea, where we actually work together. Marco is an extraordinary draftsman who works with mundane materials such as xeroc paper, ceramic tiles, slides, apples, or kitchen foil. And yet, despite the fact that he works with very small, unimportant materials, what he's talking about is certain kind of world drama. So let's go and talk to Marco. What is it that is so dramatic about his minimal sculptures? Marco, we are very fortunate that we have in our collection your wonderful piece called From DNA to CNN. Could you tell us something about it? Yeah, I think it's related with the world drama that you talked before. I think it's all about information. <clears throat> we are <clears throat> now experiencing a, a new thing because uh, we know like inside one hair we have enough information to redo our best friend, but we cannot read this kind of information. We don't have perception apparatus to, to reach this kind of information. I think the, in the same way we have the same problem with CNN, not only with DNN, also with CNN and all the news. We have each afternoon problems to make difference between uh, live broadcasting and death. We are in the middle of uh, semiotic, semiotic indigestion. And, and totally overwhelmed by this massive news. I really think that the new kind of censorship is overwhelmed with information, not cut information. So in a way this also reflects itself in your obsessive drawings because there are so many details in your drawings you can almost get lost in it. Yeah, this is the idea. The idea is not rep reproduce the massive information but make a landscape difficult to read and to a, a good training to empathize with things that you cannot understand. So in a way, despite the fact that your pieces, when we actually look at them, seem extremely peaceful, it's almost like pregnant silence, uh, what is happening to them is that they are really translating our surroundings, in other words, the world of Let's say hell. Yeah, I don't know. I I I really like the idea of uh, have like pieces turn off when you see from far one drawing you cannot see anything. You I, I am not adding information. Maybe one viewer can think it's a blank paper, but when you go more close and you change the protocol and you make attention and you uh, focus, you you start. Uh, discovering different layers of information, so many layers that you 
to, to change your perspective. Maybe you think it's a air view, maybe you think it's a, a, a neuronal fabric or something like that, something very big, something very little, maybe uh, something related with archaeology, maybe with science fiction, no, no uh, relationship with some scale or time. Right, because what you said uh, in the past is that my drawings and paintings do not have time frame. Viewers can spend two minutes or two hours looking at them. Music, theater, movies, videos demand an exact time frame, whereas your work doesn't. Exactly. I think visual arts doesn't. And you also say about the pieces that quite relate to what you have said just now, that in a way it is about dissemination of information. But apart from dissemination of information, it is really in some way about transformation. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, uh, the one, one piece is hotbed and the idea is a, a place where is growing something, with a place with the language is mutating, like transforming every time and, and, and these kind of pieces change every moment because light and, and perspective and distance change the, the, the whole thing. And what we have in the galleries indeed is the second piece that you are referring to, uh, Hot Bat, yeah. um, DC, because it was made for DC. Exactly. And the date is 2006 because you made it right now in the galleries and uh, it's of course proposed gift for the Hezron Museum for which we are most and most grateful. But it's extremely exciting piece too because there are several versions of this piece that exist both in the United States and in other parts of the world. Could you tell us something about the idea as to why, why one piece would be repeating itself and are there any changes or the piece is identical in every situation? Yeah, my, my English vocabulary is tiny. I repeat another time, mutation. I think this, this piece is mutating each time because it's, it's a, a dialogue with the architecture. Maybe I spend one million sheets in, in, in one piece, like 2,000 reams of paper. In this case, it's 49 reams of paper, uh, around 25,000 sheets. And the, the idea is uh, the space and, and try to, to impose a protocol, different protocol in each place. I did in New York after the invasion of Iraq. Mm -hmm. I did, and the, pa and the the whole floor was covered with white paper, and the people go in with shoes. For mm -hmm. me, it was very important the shoes uh, printing uh, on the paper. And other places with no carpet. It's only the rims like a pedestal, mm -hmm. and and they are like. Uh, drawing paper on paper. No? And what we are looking in our situation is 49 rims of ordinary photocopying paper yep. that you have placed in a space which is uh, 1.80 centimeters by uh, 2.20 20 centimeters. Um, and on the top of the rim, yep. these rims of paper, you placed your cutouts, 
Yeah. So what we are really looking at is a certain kind of, the first impression is looking at the work which is very minimal, and then the next impression is that we are looking at some really tiny, almost like architectural elements. Yep. This is, this is uh, about a scale. I, I, I really love the scale like a tool for humanization. You, you go close to the piece and you feel very, very big, a very important person. The viewer is huge and, and the monument is a micro monument. And, and I think all this uh, reaction or this protocol interaction between the piece and the viewer is the more important thing in my work. With the wall piece, the drawing, the from DNA to CNN or the hotbed, is now a message for the viewer. It's now a conceptual art. Only th that is now a formal piece. It's a protocol piece. It's a, a piece who try to to interact with the viewer. And when you put paper all over the, the gallery, the, pe the, the people need to walk very slow like uh, snow. On the so snow. in a way you are really affecting their reaction. Yeah, maybe, no, no, no manipulating, no driving, but uh, putting some rules like uh, to, to maybe to have some more time with the viewer no? so, or, or different angles or different uh, pace. No? You Can also mentioned in the past that some of these pieces are both about constructing and demolishing. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, this was a title of many pieces and also my, my show in New York was, was there. I, I really love when, when the installation looks like it's a, like a foundation or maybe a ruin. Mm -hmm. the, the opposite, you don't know is, is something is growing or something is uh, dying there. No? It's, it's the last step or the first step, like constructing or demolishing. I, I, because I always, when you construct, you demolish in the same moment. No? You change something, you, you make a building, you, you demolish the landscape. It's a new landscape. Yes, constructing implies demolition. He also said that your real vocation is to be flexible. Yeah, this, this, this morning <laughs> I said that. Yeah, I really love that. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's also related with details with tiny things or signs, like uh, the way that you move in the life. I, I, I don't believe in ideology or big ideas or, or uh, big plans. I, I really believe in details, little details. And to be flexible is to have uh, a lot of details. Um, you said that um you work 14 hours a day, six days a week. So there is a, a true passion yeah. involved here. Yeah. Before ideas, before concept, it's a passion of do this kind of work. I really love do little things to build a, a second reality and live there. No, no, because of that I work the whole day. It's no, no a nightmare, it's a dream, it's a second reality. I really enjoy that. Can you draw anywhere or do you have to be in your studio? Do you have to have a specific situation? I, I, I need a very specific situation, no like a 
Tibetan artist. It's not about context and sound, and it's very uh, related with light and and surface. And I, I only enjoy when when the drawing can speak alone, and and nothing is interfering. For that, mm -hmm. I need a, a very special space. Well, uh, I also know that today's most progressive art is concentrating on being really low-key. And in certain ways, your work is very progressive because it is low-key. It's utopian in a very different sense than maybe utopian ideas that artists had during the 20s and 30s. The constructivist that in some way, I understand you really love. Yeah, I really love. I, 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 I really love the result. And also, I really love the, the ideas. But they were too big ideas to me. No? Like they, they become like productivism. All, all the relationship with social issue is, is not my, my feeling. But I, I, I feel very close to the utopian uh, scenario. Or, or, but now, uh, with no hopes. I don't have hopes about big ideas. I have hopes about details, about relationship between close people, about my family, my friends, the people that I interact in my profession, change this kind of a scenario, not the whole world. No? Thank you, Marco. Thank you.